are listening to Power Producers Shop Talk, where we are refining and redefining the sales game by equipping you with the tools you need to differentiate yourself in the marketplace. Well, it's like when we audit the mod with Magic and give them the action items that they're going to use to lower their total cost of risk. Tactical skills that will help you provide deliverable value to your clients and prospects. Technology is not an expense, it's an investment. Look at what ThinkHR has done for our clients and even our team. It's an amazing product and I'm so thankful we have that. And action items that you can provide to take your prospects and clients to the next level. Things are changing for us in 2021. Not all big business anymore. Now that we have Cover Wallet on our team, it's amazing that we're going to be able to write small business profitably. This is Power Producer Shop Talk production redefined are you ready to feel the power what's up everybody welcome to the power producers podcast where we are refining and redefining the sales game i am flying solo kyle is on a trip and i ended up recording podcasts without him here so i'll have to answer that when he gets back but listen every once in a while Somebody does something so cool that I just have to pump the brakes and say, got to go ahead and get this on a podcast ASAP. And so Chris Green is probably, outside of Josh Gurley, the first person that's going for a three-peat on the TPP. So I'm happy to have him here, but the reason he's here is the reason that I'm happy to have him here. I can talk to Chris anytime. But what I wanted to talk to him about is the brand spanking new Flood Education Center that he has put on his website, Flood Guru. It's floodguru.com, right? Yeah, it's floodinsuranceguru.com. Floodinsuranceguru.com. Got it. So, Chris, let's talk about it, man. I mean, I've I've watched everything that you've said. I, you know, look, I'm going to build this up a little bit. I picked up on the fact that, that you launched this on the 10-year anniversary of your mother's passing. Yep. And I don't think that that was an accident. Uh, no, we, I had to really push for that day. When we really, I, I know you did because I mean, when I saw you do it, I'm like, holy cow, it's not supposed to be done that quick. But talk about that a little bit because your mom is somebody that I know. And look, everybody's mother has an impact on their life, but your mom had a very significant impact on yours and continues to do so even though she's not here. So talk a little bit about why that's so special for you to hit that date. Well, I grew up with severe learning learning disability, was not supposed to go to college. My mom was in every IEP meeting with me. Um, ended up graduating <laughs> I live that every day right now, by the way. I mean, yeah. we were in Ethan's IEP meeting last week. So I remember in the, uh, in the seventh grade, I had a teacher who told my mom that she needed to accept the reality that I wasn't going to be the same as every child. I wasn't going to be able to go to college and all these things. And I remember my mom standing up one day and saying to the teacher that, no, you're wrong. This child one day is going to change the world and you're going to be the ones laughing when you realize it. And then she stood up, walked out of the room and turned around and said to me, you know, one day you're going to change the world. I'm just not going to be here to see it. And it's actually some of the exact same words she said to me, literally the last word before she passed away. Well, there was also another high school educator I had that is still along this journey as well, named Kathy Burbage, which who is actually who our consulting company is named after, is that we are so committed to education and the people that helped get us here. What I tell them is like, look, because they were always there is why we were here. 
And that's why it was so important to release it on that date. Like I told my siblings, I just felt that this was an easy way to honor my mom because of what she made on her commitment to education. So why the education center, man? I mean, I know the answer to this, by the way. I'm just lobbing up softballs to you. So, I but, say, but I, I want you to talk about why. I mean, because look, look, people, if you have not to be, been to floodinsuranceguru.com to check this thing out, stop listening to the podcast, hit pause, and go look at it, and you'll understand why it's such a big deal at that point. But Chris, like, this is not something that you're going to get immediate gratification from other than it's done and the gratification of it being done. But in terms of what this is actually going to do, the movement that it's going to create, the revenue that it will subsequently bring in, not just for you, but for those people who are educated by the information, that's not going to happen right away. That's going to take a little bit of time. So why did you decide to do it now? Well, I will tell you this. It's actually been four years in the work. When I started producing flood education content just before January 2019, the ultimate goal was that one day we're going to have this in a library. Well, the reason we're going to have it in a library is that there's one of the things that frustrates me so badly is you go to a care site and they say they're providing all this education, but it's all salesy. Hey, send us more business. Send us all business. It's not really true educational in most situations, or it's just an article, or it's just a video. And it's usually one of these animated videos. It's not somebody actually standing on location, explaining what's happening, you know, how to approach this issue, how to overcome it. And when I started producing content, I said, look, that's one thing we're going to focus on. Our material is not going to be sales. It's going to be strictly educational. If someone wants to reach out to us, sure, we'll have a CTA, but that's about it. And so when I started producing this content, I said, you know, one day we're going to have one of the world's largest flood libraries because that's where all this content's going to stay. People are going to be able to find information easily just by searching whatever they want. It was really just a dream. I didn't really think we'd be able to pull it together, put the layout the way we have. The company we worked with, which was Marcus Sheridan's company who helped us build it. And so that was the big thing for me too, was that, hey, go into a YouTube channel, trying to search for something that an agent's asking me and then sending them the video, the amount of time it was taking me to do that. What if I could just go to my learning center, type in what they're looking for, send them the link, and boom, like I just did the other day. You know, what if I could use the learning center to help our referral partners, our real estate agents, our loan officers, insurance agents look like rock stars? Because at the end of the day, that's our job. Or what if we could help a property owner decide if taking that disaster assistance loan is a good idea through the SBA? You know, what are the short term? What are the long term impacts? What if we could use the learning center to get to them before they made that decision so we could help them make a better decision? So that's why the learning center. And I tell people, so look, the Learning Center, for me, um, it was kind of a personal mission to use our Learning Center to really change the narrative of what's been in the industry for so long, especially when it comes to flood that no one wants to touch it or I can't get the information I need. You know, hopefully the Learning Center does that now. And it's got information that's actually added daily. You know, We put every single flood map update across the country on there. I just put two on there a couple of days ago. I'm shooting eight more videos on new flood map updates next week that'll have articles and videos on there of exactly what all this means. It has been a tremendous amount of work, right? Like just the basics of shooting video every single day is en is enough work. Then to take that and organize that information and create a repository where all of it can be 
warehoused and then subsequently indexed by a variety of tags so that you can go in and filter that to get exactly the view that you want. I mean, this has been a really, it had to have been a really cool experience just to participate in putting this together, you know, and I got to believe that you've learned quite a bit through the process too, that you probably, you may not have known just working with a group like Marcus's company to help you put it together. There's got to have been, there has to have been a lot of two-way education back and forth there. But, you know, one of the things that I really liked when I first went there was the fact it's truly an educational center. Now, look, you've got calls to action. If you want to, if, you, if somebody wants a flood quote, they can click a button to get a flood quote, but it's not in your face. It's not like, and for a flood quote contact, you know, you're not reading ads in the middle of your videos and everything else. It's purely educational. And I think that the fact that you held to the integrity of that process of educating and not selling is why you've seen some immediate results in terms of just page views, right? While the monetary stuff, it'll take a while for all of that to happen. The the fact that you're seeing traffic, like you've seen a pretty significant increase in traffic almost right out of the box, right? We've seen almost a 50% increase in traffic in just about a week's time with our website. Yeah, that was my guess. I didn't want to say 50%, but I felt like that's kind of where it was. It was when we looked at January compared to February. But the other thing is I actually am studying the customer experience. So as people are searching things, things they're searching for, if either they're not on there, if, hey, if they search for this video, then maybe we can filter them into this video next. So honestly, I'm really obsessing over the customer experience. And one thing is, I'm actually going in and testing it myself on mobile and everything else. Of, hey, how's this experience? Or, for example, the other day, we had property managers looking for something. We didn't have property managers as a persona on there. So I went on there and I added property managers where just property managers could search for things. Because that's a big area of people that we work with that are always asking questions. Or property managers. Uh, you know, do I need to put all these buildings on one policy? Can I put them on one policy? Or should I? You know, what happens if I file a claim on this one? Am I going to get non-renewed on the other ones? You know, all these different factors. And so that's what, like I tell people, we are really listening to the feedback and we're changing it based on what people are telling us. And that's one reason why we're really having to hire somebody internally to help manage our learning center every day is A, the data that we're putting up. We're constantly changing thumbnails. We're taking stuff in. We're taking stuff out. I myself uh, have stayed up to almost three o'clock every morning tagging this stuff as we took it live. But then the very next day, I went back and changed almost all the tags because I'm like, look, if an insurance agent is searching for flood map updates in Alabama, I do not want anything from Mississippi coming up. I want strictly what they're looking for to come up to create a better customer experience for them. I do not want to overwhelm them with information. Yeah. So how do you how do you temper that? Just make more videos that are shorter? I mean, honestly, if, if you're not going to overwhelm them, that would be my solution to it. But how how do you figure out what the optimum optimal time is and, and how much you can give to somebody before it's too much? Well, it's not necessarily time. It's, you know, depending on the filter they're using, making sure that the videos only relate to that filter. You know, I threw a wide net when I first started it, but it was like, oh, I wouldn't do that. I would start, you know, very limited. I said, no, I can always pull back with the data than throwing this wide net afterwards. And that's exactly what we're doing is that we threw this wide net. We were working with Marcus's company. They even came to us and said, look, data showed us this before. Uh, You've come to us. And you said, you know, you feel like people are searching for this. We did the testing. You know, we got collected the data and you were absolutely right. People want to search 
based on the type of content. They want to know, hey, I can search by video. I can search by blog. I can search by podcast. We haven't had that data before with a learning center to understand really what people are searching for. So I tell people one of the key successes of the learning center, though, is really listening to that data. When people give you feedback, don't get an ego and say, you know, whatever, or, you know, I'm better <laughs> than that. Really listen to it so that you can continue to improve it. That's where companies crumble. They're not willing to change their products based on customer feedback. That's one of the things I love about Better Agency. They actually listen to their customers. You know, when you're looking at a CRM, or some people may even call it an AMS, you know, they really listen to the customers and what the customers are asking for and the kind of customer experience they give them. And that's really what we want with that learning centers. Hey, it's here for you. How can we make it better for you? And it's one of the reasons why I actually took a pop-up form off of our learning center that would ask, hey, if you want to get a flood insurance proposal or whatever, or hey, can we help you with education or um, flood insurance change? The pop-up, which to me was distracting me from the learning center, so we took it off altogether. Someone's like, whoa, you got to get subscribers for the learning center, even though we still got that at the bottom. I said, look, that needs to be minimized. I'm not worried about subscribers on there. I'm worried about delivering the information to somebody when they're looking for it. You know, the one thing you said there was what I was hoping I heard you say, and it's exactly what I was going to reaffirm. And that is, if you're going to be successful in marketing, you have to be a good listener. You have to listen, not just to what your clients or, or your prospects are telling you, but what the data is telling you based on you know, visits to your site, what pages they're going to, length of time watch, like all of the different things that we can monitor these days. And I mean, to me, I don't know. I'm going to make a statement. If you're not, a, if, if you're not having success with your marketing, it's because you're not listening, period. Like this is an open book test, man. You know, gone are the days where you slap something in the newspaper as an ad and you hope for the best. We can know literally anything and everything about anybody who consumes our content. And so the first step for any of us is to actually create the content. And actually, the first step is to commit to create the content. Then the second step is to actually create it. Then the third step is to distribute it. And then the fourth step is to go back and look at the information you get from that distribution and see, you know, what kind of penetration rates you're getting and everything else. I think that sometimes we get so proud that we actually created content that we stop there. We don't, um, you know, we don't get into all of the whys behind that and really drilling down. Sometimes it might be a, just a simple tweak here or there. Sometimes your messaging is completely off, but we have to be willing to let that data take us where it wants to take us, right? And not dig our heels in and say, nope, this is this is the way, this is the way I've always done it. You know, I know I'm right in what I'm saying. Well, guess what? You may be right in what you're saying, but it's the wrong message for the people who are on your site. We can't get caught up on, hey, I want to deliver this piece of content. What we need to get caught up on is, hey, my customers want this piece of content. Because that's what happens is you create this awesome blog, this awesome video. Nobody's viewing it. Nobody's reading the article. Because you're delivering content that people aren't either searching for or need. You're delivering content that you want to deliver. Now, I will say, we do some content that we personally want to do, yes. But we really try to focus on what our customers do. And for example, with that, we go to our blogs once a month. We look at the top blogs that have the views. Just a general blog. Let's say, what is Flood Zone AE? Now we go back and say, hey, understanding Flood Zone AE in Alabama based on viewers from Alabama. Hey, people in Alabama are wanting this information, so let's cater this piece of content more specifically to people in Alabama. 
Yeah, and if you have a CRM like HubSpot, which you do, you can also use that for email campaigns too. Now you know that you've got a people in people in a specific state, or you can even get into specific zip codes if you wanted yeah. to, and you can craft an email message around that. You can make it to where you know, everybody in Alabama or everybody in that portion of Alabama that's consuming that content, anytime you're putting something else out around that same piece, that, that same subject, you can get that into their hands, you know, proactively instead of hoping that they go and consume it themselves, right? So there's just so many things you can do. I mean, so many right, things. Let's say this, though. For example, you've got a captive agent in Georgia. With an update to the learning center, we don't want to email them updates in Missouri. So right. we can build a list in the CRM that says, hey, when you have an update to your learning center and it's this state, then you know it applies to this list and you can send that email campaign out where you're only sending information out to them that relates just to what's going on in their area. Absolutely. So talk a little bit about that, man. I mean, when you're looking at the grand scheme of things, you know, how much are you doing proactively versus how much are you relying on the, the juju that HubSpot puts together? Because, I mean, there's a lot of stuff HubSpot's doing in the background to, to help you that, you know, you don't always realize. At least I can tell you, I don't always realize how much it's doing in the background. But then all of a sudden, you know, last week we had 10 or 15 inbound leads come in. We did no paid advertising at all. So it's all based off of us getting the right stuff in front of the right people and all of that. But um, yeah. I would say I'm using probably about 20% of what we rely on HubSpot, but I'd like to use about 80%. And that's why we're hiring someone internally. That all they're doing is learning HubSpot. They're learning CSS, templates, you know, our themes, all these different things to bring all these tools together, making sure SEO is working correctly with our backlinking, all this stuff, and literally just diving into HubSpot and taking advantage of that. Because that's an easy way to increase revenue too, is just making these tweaks. Like last night, I was going through and checking some things on our site. And actually HubSpot was automatically, you know, checking for different things when we write a blog, making sure it's not duplicate content so that the different platforms don't penalize you. But those are things they automatically do for you, which is great. You know, some other automations now is where you can re, uh, set up reoccurring automations through a uh, operations hub they've re recently developed that I upgraded to. But that reoccurring lets us know, hey, if a phone number is not in the right format, we can run this automation every day at 8 a.m. to correct that phone number to the right format. So when we make calls or text messages, we know the right formats in there. So, I mean, those are some of the kind of things that I'm trying to use HubSpot more for is correcting that information formatting data the correct way. Uh, just this week, finally got our phone system into HubSpot the way we want, where all of our text messages, all of our recorded phone calls, everything's right there where everybody can see it. Yeah, it, that's a huge, huge help, man. I mean, the fact that you can just go to a single spot and have everything that you need about that account right there. I mean, that's why I think all the agencies are so hellbent on getting the fully integrated CRM AMS solution so they can only go to one tool. But truthfully, you know, outside of downloads, what do I really need an agency management system for? You know, and, and listen, I'm not I'm not saying I'm going to abandon an agency management system. We have Hawksoft in our agency. We've been very happy with Hawksoft. They've always done us right and taken care of us. So, you know, there's no real reason for me to explore that. But at the end of the day, if I were able to have downloads inside of my CRM. I don't know that I'd ever leave it. There's really no reason for me to leave it at that point because the policy data is there. 
and the way that things are set up right now, you know, it's it's kind of clunky, man. You know, we 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 operate in HubSpot until the policy's downloaded. Then we operate in Hawksoft after that, except for all of the tasks, all of the tickets and everything originate inside HubSpot because that way we can monitor everything there. So, you know, we solve it by having, you know, three or four monitors on every desk so that they can have these different tools open and operate inside of whatever they need to for that particular task. But I mean, I bet you, I, I tell people all the time, if you're, if you're only using 20% of what HubSpot can use, I'm probably using five, you know, I mean, people hear my bill, they laugh at me. I said, here's the difference. And I said, I was in your position a few years ago. You're thinking expense. You're not thinking investment. You're not thinking the experience that the system is creating for your employees. For example, customer calls in with a question, customer emails them with a question. What we really focus on, I call creating a universal customer experience. Whether an employee's been with us two weeks or two years, I want that customer getting the same answer. And what does that for us is an internal knowledge-based system and what's called playbooks. So they can put the customer's question in their search and all the information comes up and we can respond with the same answer every time. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really important, you know, and, and it must be what Amazon does. <laughs> because Well, supposedly rumors had that Amazon's actually looking at purchasing HubSpot. As I said, oh, wow. I just heard around, but... You know, they're also looking at doing downloads possibly in 2023. In fact, Cindy Rowe and Jason Cass have a bet going on it. I think uh, Cass has Cass, to run a Cass, Cass is, he, he does, but he's a little bit late to that dance. There's there's plenty of people that have been working on downloads with HubSpot long before that podcast came out. I, yeah. I do think it's going to happen in the next year. I mean, I, I can tell you from firsthand knowledge that I think it's going to you know happen in the next year, and it'll be interesting to see when it does what that looks like because you know HubSpot has basically turned their product into an all all in one solution. I mean, you can handle everything from payments to, you know, CRM to service for yeah. marketing, for sales. For, I mean, it's like and that's the beauty of it, right? When you're in a, a software, when you're in a program like that where it's being developed and they again, listen to what people want and they can continue to make that evolve. There really is no way that it's going to nowhere that it's going to end. I mean, they can just continue to make it evolve and make it evolve and make it evolved. And the user experience doesn't suffer in my opinion at all. It only gets better. So I have a good friend, Ben Brown up in um, Pennsylvania. We go back and forth on HubSpot all the time. It's like, you're eventually going to get me on HubSpot, but we've been talking a lot about PandaDoc lately. And I showed him, Hey, look, we can go from a customer visiting our website to finalizing something for with them without having an actual conversation with them until they're ready to finalize based on the content that we're giving to them between articles and videos and all this stuff. So that when we pick the phone up, a lot of times it's just to verify a couple of things and maybe get credit card information because we've already answered all their questions. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you know, how can you do that? I said, well, that's if you build it out the right way, if you're using content the right way, you're addressing these questions. You know, you're not spending two hours or two weeks going back and forth on questions that have already been answered through the content that's stored inside of HubSpot. Same reason why I have my website inside of HubSpot. Like I tell people, look, if I didn't have my website spot inside of HubSpot, I'd definitely be on Advisor Evolved. But even having the Learning Center on HubSpot and having all that data inside of there and having all that stuff available, it just makes it really easy. So much that now, you know, we're building out a client portal with it. We're building out an app with it. We're building out a referral partner dashboard that the, uh, we've got a HubSpot guy that was referred over to us by Glovebox. Because Glovebox, you know, like I tell people, if Glovebox helped me, then I'd be in trouble because they'd be broke because there's not enough people like me out there to keep them in business. 
So they're right. like, hey, here's my HubSpot developer that hopefully can help you. Yeah, no, I mean, and I think that's important too, man. You know, all of us should be out there sharing our resources with each other because in layman's terms, do we really compete? No, <laughs> you know, there's a handful. I, there's literally like five agencies that I compete with, you know, down here. There, there's obviously more, but the ones that I see on a regular basis, now I'm probably not going to be as open with what we're doing in the agency, but if they're even remotely motivated, all they have to do is listen to the podcast because we share it all on here anyhow. <laughs> so I got an email last week from an agent like that. It says, hey, I just want to show you what your competition is doing. I said, they're not our competition. I said, we are education focused first. I said, based on the information you're sending me is they're just wanting to give you a cheap quote. And I said, if you go to the website, they've got four pieces of content. I said, we always will be an educational organization first that owns an insurance agency, that owns a flood mitigation company. I said, no, that's our mindset. But I said, these people aren't uh, competition. If they're doing something to improve the industry, I'm going to put them on a platform and I'm going to show you. Because if we can use those things to make it better for everyone, at the end of the day, everybody wins. Absolutely. So what advice would you give to somebody who's thinking about going down this road? I mean, I'm sure you learned a lot of a lot of lessons as you were creating the content and building everything out and all of that. What advice would you give somebody that if they were thinking about putting a, a learning center on their own website specific to their niche? The big thing is, to me, I would say is go ahead and start with a spreadsheet. We didn't do this till a few years down the road. On that spreadsheet, uh, answer the main questions of who, what, when, how, where, uh, simply with your content. And then put a checkbox for maybe blog, article, video, and you know which forms you're doing. And so when you go back to produce more content, you can go to that spreadsheet and know what you've produced content on. Even put the publish date on there. Those things are pretty easy when you put a CRM like HubSpot. You can actually export all of that content you've put in there and then have your team do that. And so that's what our team's doing right now. The other thing I didn't realize in this learning center is the amount of information that we would have to tag. I would have done way from the beginning. With a learning center, I think it'd be cheaper to have a learning center up and running three years ago than it would have now. Not necessarily the cost of buying the template of getting all that up, but the time. You know, working until 3 a.m. every night, tagging 5,000 pieces of content. Now that when the learning center is live and we put a piece of content up down there, I can tag it. I can have it published and everything on the learning center in less than five minutes. Mm. But also listening to your customers, what they're asking you, writing those questions down. Like you say, keep a notepad next to everyone's desk. And then they put it maybe in Google Sheets. Every week there are questions. And then you go back and you're delivering content to people based on things they're already asking. Yeah, you know, I think the other thing too is honestly, focus on quality over quantity. If you're if you're just starting out and you have a blank canvas to work with, when you put together a blog post, make that the best blog post that you can put together with the best video that you can create. And don't stop there. Take the time to go in and enter your keywords into your SEO plugin on the back end of your site. Make sure that you're doing the backlinks to other articles outside of your domain and inside of your domain. Do everything you can to optimize the search engine uh, optimization on those posts when you do them, because if you do them right the first time, you don't have to go back and do a bunch of cleanup. We're in a process right now where I'm killing two birds with one stone because I'm using it as an opportunity to train my oldest son who joined the agency full time to handle all of our media stuff at this point. He's going to do all of our videos and you know, not, not create them, but the, the mechanics, the editing, the editing of the blog posts, the posting, we're still going to create the content ourselves. 
But now one of his projects is going to be go through every single blog post on the Killing Commercial website and run it through the Yoast plugin, put the keywords in, do the backlinks, do everything the way that I should have done it to begin with. Why didn't I do it? Well, you know, because I really wasn't that concerned about people going to Google to find me. I have a, a pretty good audience as it stands, and I just wanted to get content out for them. Well, now I'm at a life cycle in that part of my business dealings that it wouldn't hurt me too bad to have some people from Google come that are looking for, you know, commercial ins insurance training or whatever else. What I should have done was spend the extra two minutes. You know, I wrote a freaking book about it and didn't even do it myself when it comes to the blog post. But, you know, if I'd have just taken the extra time right there and just made sure that was buttoned up, I wouldn't be going back and having to do it now. And the million dollar question is how much business have I not gotten because I've not been found because I didn't take that time? So, you heard it from the horse's mouth. I wrote the book. I didn't do it, and I'm paying the consequences for it. And you talk about quality over quantity. Now, this is our, we just ended our 39th month in a row of producing videos, and I tell people, look, we've produced a lot of trash when it comes to content, just to produce content to stay in front of people. But you know, I've gone back now, and I'm hiring an SEO specialist to go through every single blog that we've ever written, every video, making sure it's optimized. That's something else from the beginning. Hey, if you could maybe train someone on your staff. The cool thing is HubSpot does this HubSpot Academy thing and trains all these people for free on how to use right. some of these tools. You know, hire somebody in high school, get a VA to do it like we've done. And then having a, a content writer that's pushing out these articles every day for us right now that's internally on our team. You know, those are some things I wish I would have gotten ahead of because it's going to cost us a lot more money to go back and optimize all those articles long-term than it would have from the beginning. Yeah. And it's a pain to do it, right? I shouldn't say it's a pain. It's just tedious work. And when you're trying to get something out because you want it to get get it in front of people, that's the first thing that gets cut. And it's kind of, that that's where our mind goes, but it really is counterintuitive. If you take a little bit longer, you're actually going to get better results than if you just get it out as quick as you can. And, you know, lesson learned, right? I'm just glad to know you're doing the same thing I'm doing because I'm, you know, you know I, I'm biting the bullet at this point. It is going to cost me money I shouldn't have to spend. If I would have done it right the first time, I wouldn't have to go back and clean it up. So, people, if you're going to start a content marketing strategy, just do it right the first time. Take your time, you know. And here's the other thing. If you're just getting started, don't just go post. Don't, don't just go publish a post. And then the next week, one more post. Then the next week, one more post. Write your stuff. Get it cleaned up. Put it into a Dropbox. Get four or five posts together. Go in, do them all at one time, and then schedule them to publish onto your site once a week, right? So that you've got some critical mass built, and that buys you time to continue creating content. So if you decide I'm going to do this, but I can only do one a week, I can't do one a day. I can only do one a week. Then you're going to, you can go in, get yourself a head start, put it in Dropbox, get it onto your website, get it optimized, schedule it to come out. You know, if you're going to do it in a batch, one a week, you know, however, whatever you want your frequency to be, but have it be one a week. And then next week, do a post the next week do a post. Guess what? You will always stay four or five weeks ahead if you can do it that way. And that's where I think a lot of people get messed up when they're in the content creation game is because they just don't get that head start. And then when they do have it, they know they have it. 
And so it's just like going to the gym. You skip one day, next thing you know, you've skipped a year, you know, and you're 50 pounds heavier than you were. Well, why? Well, because you quit the habit that you created and it made it real easy for you to fall into bad habits. This is no different than that. So in our videos, I try to stay, if possible, a week to two weeks ahead. But like when we're producing all this content, I got to tell people one, the biggest mistakes I learned just about a month ago was not taking everything from our YouTube channel and at least putting it on our website with a quick description. Uh, In this video, you'll learn this. When I did that, I saw a massive increase in web traffic. And I should have done that from the beginning. Had I done that from the beginning, I mean, our website traffic could have been five, 10,000 visitors a month a couple years ago instead of four years down the road. I honestly believe that you'll get more traction on your learning center on your domain than you'd get with that same content on YouTube. Yep. I do too, because I said, first of all, with YouTube, getting them over your website could be a challenge. And at least on the learning center, they're already on the website. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're, you're right. I mean, I don't know what the stats are. Um, Bradley Flowers could probably tell us because he's the king of knowing stats like this. But it would be interesting to see what the uh, average watch time on your YouTube channel is versus your average watch time on your own domain. And I know you can watch it on your, you can get those stats on your own domain because you're using Vidyard and it gives you a ton of analytics, but what, I can what, tell I mean, you exactly who's watching the learning center right now. When I look this morning, I mean, our average users are on our learning center for more than three and a half minutes. That's substantial. That is very, everybody laughs at that. But look, if you get above 30 seconds, you're doing something right. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you, I'm going to misquote Bradley, but I know that he, he and I've talked about this before, but I know that if you take the top 10 most watched videos of all time on Facebook, the average watch time is just a little over a minute. The top 10 most viewed of all time. Mm-hmm. If you take every video that's ever been posted to Facebook, it's under seven seconds. Okay. So if you're getting three and a half minutes, that's really meaty watch time. Like that's somebody watching an entire video from beginning to end, or maybe even two, depending on the length yeah. of them. Yeah. Cause all of our videos are two to two and a half minutes. Everyone's like, well, why didn't you make them longer in the learning center? I said, cause I still wanted to make them quick and short. And if you want to watch 10 of them, we can even throw them into a course for you. But I wanted you to be able to get those nuggets and go right away and be able to use it instead of sitting through a video for 30 minutes. Yeah. If you've got 25 minutes, you can watch as many videos as you want to fill that 25. If you've got two and a half, you don't want a 25 minute video. You have to fast forward through looking for what it is that you're trying to, to, to learn. Right. So I think that it's, it's going to definitely look, I've said this all along. I would rather have 500 of exactly the right person watching my stuff than 500,000 people that really aren't relevant to it. Yep. And I think we get caught up in statistics and numbers and we worry about that. And I don't care, man. I really don't. Like I I put a lot of energy into content creation and then I'll go and I'll look at my, my YouTube channel and something that I thought was absolute gold has 57 views. And I'm like, what? How does this only have 57 views? But guess what? If that was 57 middle market property and casualty producers that can take what that information was and go out and write business as a result, I win, right? I win all day. If it's 500,000 people watching it and nobody ever takes action on it, 
That means nothing to me. I, I'm not. I don't create content to be popular or to win a popularity contest. I do it to help people shorten the learning curves that existed when I got into this industry, and I didn't have that. So we've been going about 35 minutes. I'm actually going to put this on Shop Talk because I can fast track it as opposed to doing a full episode. So what haven't we talked about as we're getting ready to wrap up? What haven't we talked about that you want to make sure everybody hears today? Well, I'll tell you this. On the Learning Center, if you can't find what you're looking for, if it doesn't have it, make sure to fill out a contact us form in the notes. Put, hey, I'm looking for this if your Learning Center doesn't have this. And we will go and actually create that content, particularly just for you, if it's not on there. Um, that's how committed we are to making sure this learning center is for property owners out there, the investors, the loan officers, the realtors, the insurance agents. Everyone's like, I don't know why you're giving all this information to insurance agents. They're going to take all your business away. I said, no. I said, if we can make them better at offering flood, it's a win-win for everybody. If we can help them handle 90% of the small things, maybe we help them with now, it's a win-win for them. And we maybe we just help them handle that 10%. Yep. Good deal. Well, tell them where to find it, man. Floodinsuranceguru.com. Is it the Flood Insurance Guru or Flood Floodinsuranceguru.com forward slash learning center. You can go there. You can learn. You can request a quote. You can send people there to learn and request a quote, whatever you want to do. But I can tell you this. You can even fill out an agent program form on there and I'll personally get in touch with you. And talk to them just real quick. You're building something else out around that whole end of it, right? I am. I said, we've done this agent program. I won't call it an NGA. I won't really call it a wholesaler. It's more about taking the exposure off the agent, just like we're trying to help the property owner minimize the exposure. So yeah, we handle the flood for them, but they're getting paid that commission on new business renewal. We're taking the E&O exposure. We're really trying to take any kind of exposure off of them, but we're also still trying to make sure the knowledge is in their hands. And so that's what we do through our agent program where they're getting paid a new business commission, a renewal, but now we're building out a referral partner dashboard through HubSpot where they'll be able to see every single deal they've ever submitted, commissions paid out, where all those deals are at, important documents maybe for their agency, or maybe they're trying to grab something for a customer. They'll be able to grab it off the portal. So that's that's kind of on our roadmap next for building that out. Um, so yeah, but you can make sure to fill that form out. As I said, we work with about three to 500 agents now across the country on making them just like a rock star to their referral partners. Good deal. People, floodinsuranceguru.com. Check it out. Make yourself and your team better. Put more money in your pocket and less worry in your brain. Everybody have a great weekend. See ya. been listening to power producers shop talk you can follow us at the power producers podcast on facebook and instagram and if you want to take your game to the next level check out our commercial insurance training course at killingcommercial.com or visit amazon to pick up a copy of our international best-selling book the extra two minutes